In every pair of Tecovis boots, you can expect handmade quality, first wear comfort, and timeless Western style. Tecovis boots are always made from premium bovine and exotic leathers, and with occasional resoling, they will last a lifetime. The best way to shop for boots is at your local Tecovis store, where you'll be greeted by the smell of fresh leather and a friendly smile. Come on in, grab a cold one, get fitted by a pro, and shop the latest styles. Visit tecovis.com, that's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com, and don't go gently, y'all. In every pair of Tecovis boots, you can expect handmade quality, first wear comfort, and timeless Western style. A great pair of Western boots will elevate a casual look or add a refined flair that'll draw both eyes and compliments. Tecovis boots are always made from premium bovine and exotic leathers, and with occasional resoling, they will last a lifetime. The best way to shop for boots is at your local Tacova store, where you'll be greeted by the smell of fresh leather and a friendly smile. Come on in, grab a cold one, get fitted by a pro, and shop the latest styles. We also offer custom branding and leather stamping if you want to personalize your boots or fine leather goods. As spring makes its way into summer, stay cool in a short-sleeve moisture-wicking pearl snap or make your own shade with one of their classic straw hats, new in both men's and women's styles. And if you're planning to hit the road, Tecovis's ever-growing lineup of rugged and full-grain leather bags will get you where you're headed in style and are built to last decades. Visit Tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And don't go gently, y'all. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. From the nation's capital, this is the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast with your host, Rob Snow White. Thank you for downloading the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast. This is Series 1, Episode 27, Rod Maintenance. How to take care of your fly rods, as that's the most important tool we have as fly anglers. I'd like to say that I wouldn't be here and doing this if I had not broken two fly rods. The first one was my brother's Cortland 8.5 foot, 5, 6 weight, uh, when I was about 10 years old. And then breaking an Orvis uh, 9 foot 8 weight rod in the summer of 1999. The first one um, is what got me into fly fishing. I had my brother's rod and I broke it and he gave it to me. So I had a broken rod and I got it fixed and I was fly fishing from the age of 10 on. And the second one, I was fishing out on the eastern shore of Maryland and I broke my 9 foot 8 weight and I brought it to the local Orvis store and they had a help wanted sign in the shop. So I inquired, and that's when I got my first job in a fly shop, which sort of um, kind of became an obsessive lifestyle for me. So um, based on my experience of of fly fishing for the past uh, three decades and having worked in shops around the country and 
just been doing this um, for so long and speaking with others and observations and experience, I'm going to share with you some things that you might want to do to maintain the life of your fly rod, uh, maybe some, some small things you hadn't thought of. So maybe what I'm going to tell you in this brief podcast might help you maintain the life of your rod and uh, hopefully be a little entertaining. So let's start off um, sort of the reverse. What you do when you're done at the end of the day with fly fishing. When you're done, break down your fly rod before you do anything else. Before you crack open that can of beer. Before uh, you start playing music, which is what I usually end up doing is putting the iPod on. Before you take off your waders. Before that cup of coffee. Before anything, break down that rod and get it safely secured and stowed away. Start with the tip-top section, if it's multi-piece or two-piece, and then gradually work your way down towards the butt. Place the rod in the sock in the direction that it came from the manufacturer. If it came from the manufacturer with the male ferrule sticking up and the tip-top up and the cork butt facing out, that's most likely how that company wants you to store that rod. If it came with the female ferrules sticking out and the male tip of the butt section up that's how that company wants you to store the rod and they're the professionals it's their rod they know how they want it to be stored so put it back that way then place that rod sock securely inside of the rod tube and place that wherever you keep it inside your car you also want to make sure your rod is dry if that rod sock is wet and the rod is wet, it might start to corrode and rot. Do not put your rods overhanging the bed of your truck if you're driving from location A to location B. That rod vibrating over the edge of the truck is going to put stress fractures in it and it will either be broken by the time you get to your next location or it's going to break on your next cast. Avoid putting the rod in one piece in your car. If you have an SUV or like an old Volvo with the hatch in the back that pops down and you can slide your, it's made for skis, but you can slide your rod in there, there's a good chance you're going to do something careless and break that rod. Uh, one instance was we had this old guy, Bob, that worked at the Orvis store. and He only fished bamboos. He was... Um, Jeez, he was like a Civil War vet. The dude was so old. He had like both lungs removed uh, from cancer. He drank nonstop. He always had a coffee cup full of Budweiser. And he'd sit in the back and cut his fingernails all day and just leave them on the floor. It's kind of gross. But the guy knew bamboo fly rods. He was a purist. He fished bamboo to rising trout only. No nymphs. That was sacrilege to him. No graphite. But Bob one day was fishing the limestones of Pennsylvania. And he had a Jeep Cherokee. And he put his bamboo rod in the back of his SUV to drive from A to B. And he got T-boned by an elderly couple. And they broke his Leonard fly rod that was older than him. And if he was born you know, before the Civil War, I don't know how old that fly rod was. I have no idea where Bob is these days. Um, you know, that was a good decade ago. It was the last time I worked with him. I'll try and find, I've got a, a picture somewhere on my hard drive. When he quit, he just left a note hanging in the manager's office. So um, I'll see if I can dig that out. I'll put that on the blog and the website when I throw this up on an HTML version. Also avoid those roof racks. Um, I've got the magnetic kind. And there's one thing about the magnetic kind is that all the gravel you bring back from fishing in sand form 
and anything on the parking lot is going to stick to the magnets. And then when you put the magnet on the roof of your car, it's going to scrape up your paint job. My old Honda had two uh, rings on the hood and two rings on the roof from when I would drive my rods back and forth to West Virginia um, on the weekends when I worked up there. If you're driving long distances, it's going to be similar to the rods vibrating. If they're not secure enough, um, they can vibrate back and forth and things can hit them. Say a truck drives by and and debris comes out. Um, Who knows? But it it could be a chance that you're going to injure or damage your rods. So the best way to maintain your rods lifetime um, usage for it is dry it. Put it in the rod sock, put the rod sock in the tube. If not, um, you're going to hear all sorts of examples of how I've broken them at the end of the podcast. So that's at the end of the day. Let's talk about the fly rod blank. So keep it wiped down with a cloth. You want to rinse sand and grit off of it. You don't want anything that's going to, I guess, scratch the epoxy coating, anything that's going to possibly put any kind of damage to the actual barrel. Or blank. Um, you don't want to use sharp or salt objects to de-ice your fly rod. I've seen people use their teeth, hemostats, nippers, um, smashing the rod against uh, bridges. Any of those are going to break your rod eventually. If it hasn't happened already, it's because you're lucky. If you're using some kind of solid object to crack ice off your ferrules in the wintertime, uh, before or you know, eventually you're going to crack something on the rod. Check for cracks, scratches, and other weak points periodically in your fly rod. Uh, Tom and I were fishing recently when he was in town, and I've got a Reddington 10-foot-8 weight that I need for a trip uh, to New York in a couple weeks for Sam and his steelhead. And he was looking it over and noticed there's a hairline fracture going up the second female feral. So any kind of large fish that's going to put pressure on that rod is going to splinter, and that rod's going to explode. The issue is I won't be able to get that rod shipped to Bainbridge Island, Washington, and back in time. So um, I'm actually going to go ahead and fish it and just hope um, I don't lose a fish when it explodes on me. Because it's already broken. It has to be sent to repairs. But I'm leaving in two weeks, and that's not enough time for the repair. So we're just going to hope that it can withstand the first one or two fish. And then it will um, basically go in a coffin, and we'll ship it back to Washington. Some of these things you're not even going to see. They could just be fractures and hairline splits and cracks that just the naked eye aren't visible. Um, So just just take a look at your rods. You might find something that might cause alarm, and uh, you might want to get that checked out by a local rod repair company. We've got one in Cherrydale, Virginia here, which is in Arlington, right off of uh, Spout Run and, and 66. And the guy's been there for years and years, and that's where locals get their rods fixed. If you know somebody who builds rods, like my buddy Tom, um, I work with a guy named Tom Smithwick, um, doing some volunteer work. He uh, He's a rod builder, so I actually interviewed both of those guys a little bit for this podcast. I don't think I told them, but I just said, hey, I have some questions about rod maintenance and, and um, how not to break rods. And Tom's big one, um, Tom Smithwick, was uh, put that rod back before you had that cup of coffee or beer. So those ferals, which are the you get the male and female end. If I have to explain what a male and female end to you is, um, uh, you're in trouble. Um, so go figure that out yourself. But uh, make sure that if your rod comes apart uh, and the tip top lands in the water, 
that you're going to blow all that water out of the female feral. You don't want water in there. You don't want grit in there. You could take compressed cans of air. Sounds like this. Get one of those and just, you know, spray out the grit. Same thing you would do with your camera or other gear that you just want to maintain clean. Those dusters are pretty inexpensive. They come with that little red tube. You could stick it in the ferrule and just blow all the sand and grit out. If you don't want that rod to separate, it can separate just from you casting it too much. My clients will use my, you know, my rod every two hours for 12 hours. I get someone else's hand on my rod, and they're beating that rod back and forth because it's the first time casting a fly rod. So I either have to use paraffin wax to create friction between the male and female part, or you can actually tape the ferrules down with uh, just a piece of uh, electrical tape or duct tape. And some of the two-handed rod guys who are using three-piece rods that are 14, 15, 16 feet long, they're going to use duct tape or electrical tape to join those ferrules just to keep them from sliding apart and to add a little bit more stability to them. Uh, rods can break at the ferrules if there's too much pressure applied there. Applied, So you want to make sure that they're not sliding around, they're not moving about. Um, you don't want to push your male and female ferrules together. They're not supposed to overlap. So when my clients look at them, they're always saying, hey, this rod isn't put together correctly. There's a gap of an inch of the, the male ferrule sticking out. And I say, that's what's supposed to do. If you push any harder, you're going to crack that rod. And when you attach multi-piece rods, put them at 90 degrees to each other and twist down. Some of the rods have dots on them to help you align. So make those dots perpendicular and then twist down and make a secure fitting. Let's talk about the cork now. If your cork gets dirty, that really isn't going to affect you know your rod. That's more for just aesthetics. Denatured alcohol um, can clean it. You can try a wonder cloth. They sell those in several fly fishing catalogs. You can get them from Rio's website. I've tried the magic eraser. Didn't really work. Um, the eraser just kind of fell apart in my hand. You can use extremely, extremely fine sandpaper and just gently buff up that cork. And that'll get rid of that grimy top layer. But again, these are more of aesthetics. It's not going to affect the long-term usage of your rod if you've got dirty cork. Um, the grip may go away a bit. So when you clean it or buff it, that's going to add a little bit more of a, a nice tacky, corky texture to it. So that might just make casting easier. But in the long run, that's an aesthetic thing. Uh, I don't really clean my, my corks too often. Uh, it's something to think about. Things to do when you're fishing or things not to do. Do not grab that rod blank above the cork when you're fighting a fish. You're going to put a weak spot on that rod and it will explode in your hand. Walk with your rod tip facing up. You can have your rod tip facing in front of you to kind of get some of those spider webs down if you're the first person in the line. Or you can have the rod tip behind you. Either way, you're probably going to get caught in tree branches, so be careful. But if that rod tip is facing down, eventually it's going to kind of just dip like a teeter-totter and you're going to get that rod tip caught in the ground and when you walk forward, it's going to bend that tip and it's going to break and you're going to be without a rod. Do not try to undo snags that are submersed on the bottom of the stream with submerging your tip in the water. A, you probably can't see where that rod tip is going. It's going to get caught on something and it's going to snap off. Um, it's a very easy way to lose the tip of your rod if the line breaks while you're doing that and say the rod tip slides out. Uh, I've seen it done before. 
Don't try to force a snag from a tree or in the water. So if you try to bend and just keep yanking and yanking, that rod is eventually going to break. Point the rod tip at the object or the hook in the tree or on the bottom and pull the fly line so the rod is straight and not bending. There's no stress put in the rod. And eventually that leader is going to crack or that fly is going to rip off. There is no fly worth a broken rod. And I can't stress that enough. And there are times where that just slips your mind and you're going to yank and yank. And all of a sudden that rod is just going to explode. Don't bend the rod when you're snagged. Um, if you're stuck in a tree limb or a stick fish, um, again, I had, that's just redundant. I just said that. So skip that one. Don't poke snapping turtles with your rod tip. I've heard people do that before. Don't use your rod to gauge the depth of water. You don't want to be Huck Finn and stick your rod in the old uh, Tom Sawyer. If your rod's in the water, you're going to encounter something like rocks or branches or just the bottom of the stream, and it's going to get damaged. You could just break it off. You could fall. You're putting unnecessary danger into your rod's life when you're doing that. Don't use a rod as a wading staff. If you're walking through water and you want to gauge it, don't put the handle of the rod on the stream bottom and feel around with that. You can easily lose your footing and drop your rod and it could wash away, or you could lose your footing and try to lean on the rod and snap it. There are several ways that that is going to destroy your fly rod. That's pretty much the brevity of the podcast on how to keep your rods fresh, clean, and not breaking them when you're out fishing, when you're done fishing, um, when you're setting them up. Uh, so let's talk now about ways I've broken rods, the ways I've seen rods being broken and heard of rods being broken. So just remember, if you had the choice of losing a fly or breaking a fly rod, which would you take? If you're using, even if it's a $20 fly rod from a cheap store or from a flea market, you know, if you break your fly rod, you're done. And a lot of people don't carry spare fly rods with them. So if you drive three hours and break your rod, your trip's done. And I can tell you that from experience. So um, when my wife and I were in the honeymoon, I left my rod in two pieces in the back of the Jeep that we had rented. And my wife put the seat back. I'm sorry, no, she lowered the top of the Jeep and she broke my eight weight rod. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker had many clients try to get snags off of plants and break the rod. A client recently caught spatter dock, which is a very fibrous plant down on the tidal section of the Potomac, and he yanked back and exploded a 10-foot 8-weight. Uh, more often than not, during the shad run, we're using sinking lines and very heavily weighted flies, and we're catching the bottom. And we'll just give one or two lifts just to try and wiggle it loose, and the rod's going to explode. I had a two-seat Honda Accord back in the day. I mentioned that earlier. And I had a seven-foot four-weight in the back seat in two pieces. And somebody got in the car and 
backed up the back seat and I'm not used to having people in that car. So that never really occurred to me before. And they broke my fly rod. I had a fan get caught. Jeez. I had a rod get caught in a ceiling fan in Key Largo. The rod didn't break, but uh, it came pretty close to it. Um, So I was walking out of the condo and my rod tip was up and the fan blade got caught between the rod and a line and just kind of sucked it up. Um, Luckily I got the fan off before uh, any damage was done. I've got rod racks on the wall, and if there's a reel on there and there's a little pit of uh, tippet hanging down off the reel, our vacuum cleaner's gone over that before and ripped the fly rod off the wall. Luckily, none of those rods have been broken, but uh, now I do not leave reels attached to the rods on our rod rack. And once the baby starts walking, that rod rack's probably going to have to come down because the last thing I want is for her to, to pull those rods and have them either land on her or break them. Uh, I used to work in a fly fishing lodge at Harpers Ferry, West Virginia, and the locals broke in in June of 2003 and burnt the lodge down with gasoline. So you can name arson as a way for rods to be destroyed. The entire fly shop um, was turned to ashes. The only thing that's left of that lodge are two chimneys. Um, The whole place was destroyed, so that's another one. My first fly rod, I was walking out the, the house door, and I closed the door and broke the rod tip. When my buddies and I were camping our senior year of high school, we uh, came back to camp and I put my rod on the roof of someone's car and we forgot it was there and we drove off to go to town that night for dinner and I thought I lost the rod. The next day, the park ranger was walking around asking if anybody had lost a fly rod and I said I did and she said, well, I found this one. It had been run over. That was the Cortland one uh, that my brother had given me. So I sent it back again, and they sent me a rod tip that has completely different feral wraps and colors on it uh, and guides, but it still works. I was using that rod in Columbus, Ohio uh, last summer. One time, a bunch of guys from the fly shop were driving out to the Chesapeake Bay to do some fishing, and I put my rod in two pieces in the back of Haywood's pickup truck. Haywood had a crate of cement to help stabilize the back of his gigantic Texas-sized truck. Needless to say, every time that truck took a turn, the box of gravel slid back and forth across the bed of his truck and went over my fly rod. Um, I returned that fly rod to the company in a Ziploc bag, um, one of those sort of large, like 12-inch by 12-inch ones. The rod was in 16 pieces. So uh, that was not a fun day of fishing for me. I had a client um, catch a tree this summer and just kept yanking on it and just broke a 9-foot 5 weight. When I was stringing up a 10-foot 8 weight in the Florida Keys uh, the day before Tom's wedding, I was just stringing up the rod and it broke in half. So my wife had dropped me off and said she'd be back in four hours. And I didn't have a cell phone, so that was two minutes into my trip. So I had a fish with a about a 6-foot eight weight fly rod there's no tip top i was just casting out of like the third guide didn't catch anything spectacular i think maybe uh, a needle fish but yeah i still caught a fish on a broken rod so that was interesting i've already mentioned pulling flies out of snags in the river uh, the salmon river i've broken plenty of rods from getting flies stuck in the bottom and stupidly yanking up I want to say we probably broke eight rods from clients yanking stuff up in the potomac this springtime you know, every time I walk into the Orvis store, you know, I pretty much have a broken rod because um, something like that where the client just yanks it up and I don't give them a chance to say, you know, 
don't yank it. We're going to pull it. That fly is not worth a broken rod. Kirk Dieter, if you read the Field and Stream fly fishing blog, he had a trip over the summer. Somebody had built him a custom rod, and the airplane had broken it. They, they gave it back to him in a bunch of pieces. So accidents like that could happen. My wife and I, I guess girlfriend back then, were canoeing on the Rappahannock River, and I got into the canoe, and my rod was at an angle leaning up against the gunnel, and I stepped on it, and it broke. So you're starting to see like a theme here of just careless mistakes as to why fly rods get broken. There was one time when I was uh, just casting to a school of bluefish off of a jetty at Sandy Point, Maryland, and I was trying to throw a whole lot of line and just put too much muscle into it, and my rod snapped in half. So casting can break a rod. I had a client uh, roll casting and cracked a 9-foot 8-weight a couple weeks ago over at Roach's Run. And it was in the wrong rod tube. So it was in a six-weight rod tube. So Orvis sent me a six-weight back. So we're in the process of getting that fixed because I could definitely use an extra eight-weight up on the Salmon River. When I worked in the Keys, we are getting to a flats boat one day and loading the, the rods underneath the, the gunnel. There's like a rod holder. And just the bending of the rod to put it in there, uh, we broke a 12-weight sage rod. And then... The owner of the shop, Ralph, was too embarrassed to say that's how it got broken, the tip top. So he leaned it up against the side of the boat and just stepped on it and broke it right above the cork and sent that section back. And his excuse was a tarpon broke it. When I was in South Africa in college, I was in a very deep reservoir and had no idea how to get down to the fish. So I tied on my heaviest clouser minnow and just threw out 30, 40 feet of line. And was just paddling around this little rowboat, kind of trolling my fly. And it, the line stopped, so I yanked up thinking that I had a fish. But it turns out it was a log. So I reeled in as much line as I could, and I was just yanking on this rod, and it broke. I exploded my eight weight. And then two weeks later, we were at that lodge on the Medikwe River, and there were those four-foot-long catfish that were eating olive bread we were throwing in from dinner. So if I had that rod, I probably could have caught some four foot long catfish but because I was being stupid and careless I broke my rod it's very easy to break a rod with a weighted fly I had a client throwing a weighted clouser type fly this spring and it hit the rod and bounced off and everything looked okay and then he went to cast and the tip of the rod just you know fell like a tree that had been just you know sawed in half by a chainsaw the tip just fell down and just fell off so um those what can you just flat out break your rod with one hit or it can give you a stress fracture that in a couple weeks or months might eventually just snap you can get your uh, fly caught in a tree this happened a couple years ago we were fishing the salmon river and there was some split shot on that line and we yanked on the rod to get the fly out of the tree and the split shot came at us and hit the rod and exploded it and broke it in half we had a fly get caught in my pants in the boat recently, and we're just moving the fly rod to get it out of the way to get the uh, the fly out, and the rod tip just broke with minimal force on it. It just kind of broke. Fighting fish, um, I hooked something up above Chain Bridge this spring on a 10-foot 8-weight, and it was my favorite 10-foot 8-weight. It had an extended uh, butt so you could roll cast with it. It was a phenomenal salmon and steelhead and striper rod and 
Orvis no longer made that model, so they couldn't replace it. So I got the access rod, and I would have definitely loved to have my TLS 10-foot 8-way with that butt for roll casting. Other ways that we've uh, broken rods is loading them in the car if you're moving from point A to point B. Um, I've got sort of the homemade rod loft, which is just bungee cords going across my car, and I can slide the rod in and move from location to location, but sometimes that rod tip might get caught on something. It might hit a headrest or the rearview mirror, and you can easily break a rod tip doing that. Or if you're just sliding it in the back window of your SUV, and going between the two front seats, it could hit the stereo or one of the seats and easily break. So be careful when you're doing that. Also, if you do that and the rod is sticking out, you can close a car window on it, which is quite easily done. Then there was the one time that Tom was taking a break and we were salmon fishing. He was lighting up a cigarette. He was just leaning up against a tree, put his rod next to him, and... Uh, a guy fighting a fish just walked by, tripped on the rod, and broke it. It's a really nice 11-foot, uh, like, 8-weight. Had this nice steel head that he put um, as a logo on the side of the rod. So that's another way. Um, I had a client once say that he was going to put his rod down to pick up his salmon to photograph it in Alaska. The salmon jumped, landed on the rod, and broke it. We had a client at Orvis once who was taking a trip out somewhere in Russia with a bunch of guys, and as they're loading the gear onto the helicopter, um, he and all his fishing buddies were you know, on the side waiting to get on while everything was being loaded, and the helicopter exploded. So it killed um, the crew and the pilot, everybody that was loading the helicopter, and destroyed all of the gear as well. Had a client who once went from... Reston to Mossy Creek with a pickup truck and he had his rod hanging over the back just like I mentioned earlier and that rod vibrating up and down over the bed. Um, it snapped in half. He got to Mossy Creek and had no fly rod to use. If you leave your rod in the car in direct sunlight, your car is going to heat up, especially in the summertime, to a degree that's, well, it's going to damage your rod. But the epoxy that can hold the cork and reel seat together can come undone. That'll destroy your rod. I had a guy um, shout at me when I was taking a rod out of my car that I had strung up recently, and the window on my SUV closed the same time that the guy had shouted my over towards me, distracted me, and I broke the tip on a rod. Uh, I was leaning a rod up against the back of the same car in Colorado on an incline, and the high was the hydraulic thing that holds the gate open on the back of the pickup truck uh, gave and the rod swing and closed and, and broke my 10 foot six weight. Um, already mentioned about Bob getting team boned by an elderly couple. And then there's one time I was using a braided extension sink tip on my rod and it was heavier than the rod wanted. And when I cast that rod broke. So there's just a, a couple of examples of ways rods are broken. I pretty much, uh, just sat down one day and, and try to think of ways rods have been broken in the past 25-something years, 30 years uh, of fly fishing. So uh, that's a bunch of them. And then today, Tej Stofer from uh, Executive Director of Recycled Fish and co-host of the Fish Stick Podcast, 
put this on his Facebook page. Well, that was fun, but kind of a bummer. Floating the big hole today, sorry, the big hole yesterday, shattered Bobby Holt's sage passing under a tree. Hashtag warranty. So you never know when something's going to break. Uh, it could be an accident. It could be carelessness. But rods break uh, more often than not. They can absolutely ruin your day, ruin a trip. Uh, I don't request that clients pay the repair fee because most of the time it's an accident. Um, that's just sort of included in their consulting fee for the day. Most people that I take out have never picked up a fly rod, so it's not really their fault because they're just learning the ropes. They're learning how to cast a rod. If they put too much muscle or are not aware of how to get a snag out of a tree or a log, they're going to break the rod. Unfortunately, sometimes it actually does happen, and that's why we carry extra rods in the boat with us. I'd always suggest having a spare rod. It doesn't have to be a top-of-the-line expensive one. Um, you can go to Dick's Sporting Goods and get a rod and real outfit for $55. Just have that spare rod in case you do break your rod. Uh, it could be when you're stringing it up. We had a rod last year fresh out of the tube. Um, it still had you know like rubber bands on the reel seat holding it down. And just stringing it up, um, the tip section bent maybe. I mean, it didn't bend, and the rod tip broke. So you never know. It can ruin your day, ruin your trip. Uh, that time I broke a rod on the eastern shore on the jetty, I had to drive home. That was an hour wasted of driving, and it was like five minutes into my trip. So I thank you for downloading the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast, Series 1, Episode 27 of Rod Maintenance. It sounds like the baby is waking up from her nap, and I've got to get going. So I'm going to send this over to Jason, who's going to have it polished up, and that's what you're hearing now is the uh, polished up version. And if you have any questions, shoot me an email, rob at robsnowwhite.com. And the next podcast is going to be frequently asked questions as I do this as a full-time job and with Groupon every two hours I get a new set of clients so I get asked a lot of questions and they're repeatedly the same so I'm gonna just compile a list of all the questions I've been asked over the year or years and uh, throw them out there for you might give you a better understanding of who I am and what I do and some more stories and and things and uh, maybe some of my potential clients will download and listen to that So I can hear Kiersey now. That means I need to sign off. Thanks for downloading. Cheers. Thank you for joining us for the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast. For more information or to contact Rob, visit www.robsnowwhite.com. In Wild Country, rules were not created by man. Don't miss Wild Country, Wednesdays from 7 to 11 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Primos. Speak the language. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. Join Waypoint TV's Great Outdoors Month celebration presented by Battery Tender every Tuesday and Sunday in June from 7 to 11 p.m. Eastern. Enjoy fishing and hunting content that will inspire you to get outside, but also to take action in preserving the land and water that allows us to do what we love most. Tuesdays and Sundays in June starting at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. 
Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue, brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors. Every Monday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.